Warning, this podcast is rated not safe for work for profanity, sexual innuendo, and general silliness. We have got to stop moving like this. I know we fucked up again. By we, I mean me. (laughs) That's all right. I get to see you more. So, you know, in in the times of COVID and domestic terrorism... It's always good to see a friendly face. Yeah, so uh, welcome to the Macabre Academy. Um, I'm Nerdy Witch, and I'm here with Kev. And we're hey. re- recording an episode because I fucked up. Uh, I want to apologize in advance if you guys hear a soft burring sound. I'm smoking in my kitchen because we're recording this on the 6th of January, which should be just another basic day in American history where we certify the result of the free and fair election. Uh, however, some shit went down today. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, it's it's been a day. It's another one of those days where I've had CNN on for like seven and a half hours. Your Twitter blew up again today. Yeah, I feel bad for anybody who has tweet notifications on for me, which I think is just you. Hopefully. <laughs> God, I hope so. Like, <laughs> follow me on Twitter, but don't turn on tweet notifications. You're not doing yourself any favors. The Notorious so, UK. That's me. So what happened today was there was – today is the day that the House and Senate – the House and um, Congress get together and certify the results of our elections. Mostly – not our elections, but the votes from the Electoral College. Should be just another quick, okay, yeah, that's fine. However – Trump has been on the warpath ever since the election that it was stolen from him. He's got some people in the in the in Congress to go along with this bullshit. And prior to the events that played out, there was a rally where Trump was there, fanning the flames of this bullshit that he's been spouting, and. Shortly thereafter, a group of potentially armed, I'm not entirely sure on that, domestic terrorists stormed the Capitol building and took control of it for a while. The members of Congress were then sequestered and hidden away in undisclosed locations. And one of the terrorists lost their lives. It has been... I don't have words to describe how insanely fucked up this whole day has been. I feel like in podcasts to come, they're going to be like the true crime parent, true crime uh, you know, uh, enthusiasts will be breaking down the Trump cult at some point. And that's really what it is at this point. Can you think of another time since you're a political science major, like that a general election was this turbulent? Like my mind is thinking like civil no, or something stupid. Not, not in even vague memory. Mm. It's, I, I don't even know how to describe what I'm feeling, a sense of loss. Probably. I mean, 
if we saw this shit going on in another country, we'd already have boots in the air to go over there and and support the democratically elected government that is currently being attacked. It's true. We've we've and, done that. And and probably the most telling thing about what happened today is that when they when they somehow managed to just waltz right into the goddamn Capitol. I mean they just waltzed in like they tore down four layers of security fences and just strolled on in. Well, you can't in, stop. Like, if it was one person, like there be they'd be on that like white and rice. But when you have a flood of people coming at you, I'm sorry, hard to quash. I, I, I'm, I'm no, you're objectively wrong, as we've seen from every Black Lives Matter protest in oh. the last year. Mm-hmm. It's like suddenly they forgot that they had tear gas and rubber bullets. Apparently, these things don't exist anymore. You're right, hundred percent. Because the majority of the people there were white. Now, I speak from a position of incredible privilege because I won the genetic lottery being born both white and male. And it's taken me a long fucking time to figure out what that actually means for my life. But if they were even slightly darker skinned, the best thing I can come up with to show you the difference between what happened today and what would have happened if they were black was when the Black Lives Matter protest happened in D.C., there were phalanxes of armed security standing on the steps of the Capitol six, seven, eight rows deep. Mm. Today, there were like 1,200 people, there were like 1,200 security guards in the whole fucking place. Which is bullshit. Because all I heard today is, oh, the cops were overwhelmed. The cops were overwhelmed. They knew this fucking shit was coming. True. It's not like it, it's not like it was a flash mob that suddenly got violent. Like The Proud Boys were there all fucking week. Their leader got arrested yesterday. It's not like this came out of fucking nowhere. They should have been prepared. You're right. Like We have the infrastructure to quash... Not even violent protests, but just protests because we don't like the color of the skin of the people who are yelling at us. There was a curfew that was put in place at 6 o'clock. It's like 9.45 right now. There were 13 arrests all day. I've seen more people get arrested at Disney on Ice. I shouldn't laugh, but you're right. You're right. They broke into people's offices. They were in, they sat in the the president of the Senate's chair, which is currently Mike Pence for the next 14 days or whatever it is. They sat in his chair. They were on the floor of the Senate. They were on the floor of the Congress. They broke into Nancy Pelosi's office. They ripped her nameplate off her door. They had, they had everything they needed to take hostages. The assault on the Michigan Senate was a practice run for this, and nobody fucking did anything. 
You mean to tell me that with all the sec- all the technology and all the surveillance that this country has, we couldn't have seen this coming and stopped it, or been better prepared? Listen, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say you should definitely gas protesters because that's not what I'm about. You want to protest whatever dumb fucking cause you can come up with? Fine, have a nice peaceful protest. Yell some shit. Use abusive language. I don't care. I swear like a sailor hopped up on Ritalin. <laughs> I use fuck as a comma. <laughs> You're right. Oh no. You know what I mean? Like, mm. like you wanna like you wanna call me every deplorable name in the book? Fucking have at it. When you resort to violence. Because your guy lost? Fuck you. This is not the country that I have grown up in. I don't know where we go from here. And this is like the third time I've said this on this podcast about recent events. And I haven't been around that long on this podcast. But this shit is unacceptable. And the fact that there's still assholes in Congress, or maybe the Senate, I can't... Congress is overarching, so I'm just going to keep using Congress. Still saying that this shit wasn't wasn't free and fair? You need to be tried for fucking sedition. And all these assholes who stormed the goddamn Congress need to be tried on the minimum sedition and maybe fucking treason. You know what the pro- you know what the punishment for treason is? Death. Or five years minimum in federal prison. Hmm. So, 13 people got arrested, but CNN can find one of the fucking guys who organized this shit for a fucking interview. No shit. Like, this is fucking bullshit. Now, for the happy part of this discussion, let's move on to the topic at hand, because I could go on for the entire hour. I think that you're very poignant and very passionate, so I love when you address... Uh, current events so i want to always give you that freedom to do so but um we should probably get into the episode yes we probably should i'm gonna drink my whiskey first because i'm kind of in the middle of a debbie downer here hold on well man it's been a fucking day it's been a day so let's just drink ourselves it's been a goddamn day Witches, I am in love with this family-run business, Mystical Existence, the bath products that turn your ordinary self-care ritual into a celestial experience. As a witch, my bathing habits are sacred, so I was overjoyed to find products that not only smell amazing, but don't irritate my sensitive skin. My favorite scent is Scorpio which was designed with Maggie's daughter and the perfume her mother used to wear at heart. All soaps, lotions, and bath bombs are handmade with supplies that are purchased from ethical and responsible manufacturers. A portion of the products are vegan for all you animal lovers out there. As the wheel of the year turns, new products are designed to match the seasons. Currently only available 
in the United States, you can find Mystical Existence on Facebook, Instagram, or at their website, mysticalexistence.com. For 15% off, use our promo code MACABRE. That's M-A-C-A-B-R-E. You know, it'd be nice if this whole day was a country. No, what if the whole day was a false memory and it never happened? That would be fucking amazing. Yeah. So we're going to dive into some Mandela effect, but to explain the Mandela effect, Mandela effect, I have to kind of explain false memory. So let's, let's start there and pray that that's what's going on today. Huh? (laughs) Um, So in psychology, a false memory is a phenomenon where a person recalls something that did not happen or recalls it differently than the way it actually happened. So you get like suggestibility, activation, associative information. You can incorporate misinformation and a source of misattribution, which can suggest that uh, to be several mechanisms underlying a variety of types of false memory phenomenon. So let me just break that down a little bit. Example A. Um, So you thought you took this plane ride as a kid. Right. You like remember uh, boarding the plane. But let's say that that is a false memory. In reality, your mother took you to pick someone up at the airport and you imagined being on the plane. So memories are very complex. While you might imagine a memory as like a black or white element, the truth is memories are subject to change. They're malleable and they're often unreliable. So events are moved from your brain's temporary memory to permanent storage while you sleep. We went over this a little bit with the uh, REM cycle and, uh, and shadow people. Um, But the transition is not absolute elements of the memory might be lost. And this is where false memories can begin because your brain does not like gaps. So it'll fill it in. When multiple people experience a false memory, it's called the Mandela effect. But to understand the Mandela effect, you have to understand Nelson Mandela, who named the effect. What was named after him, to be more specific. Uh, Kev, you know anything about Nelson Mandela? Um, I know a little bit. All right, what you got for me? But. I think before we jump into this, we need to jump into something else. So hey, I'm on this ride with you. Go for it. Let me grab let me grab my notes, which are not those song notes I've written here in a second ago. For those of us who don't know, because I know we have some younger listeners, and I know that education in the United States is not what it should be. There was a thing in South Africa from 1948 until the early 1990s. It was called apartheid. Uh, apartheid was a bit like our segregation, but if you took it to 11, it was basically the white minority taking control of a primarily black area of the world, which was South Africa. And it extended from 
South Africa to Southwest South Africa, which is now uh, Nyambe. Wow, I can't even talk anymore. It was characterized by an authoritarian. Wow. Okay, then. I'm pulling a U today. Authoritarian. I I haven't even been drinking. I'm just pissed off. (laughs) Multiple things can be the cause of of, uh, inaccurate speech patterns. Sleep deprivation, uh, being agitated, drunkenness. Um, I'm so hot right now. It's not even funny. Uh, apartheid was characterized uh, by an authoritarian political culture based on white supremacy, of course, which ensured that South Africans were dominated politically, socially, and economically by the white by the nation's white minority population. Uh, according to this system of social stratification, white citizens had the highest status, followed by Asians. And then coloreds, which apparently is Africans from more than whose national heritage is from more than just one place, and then finally just the black Africans at the very bottom. Um, so broadly speaking, apartheid was delineated into petty petty apartheid, which entitled the segregation of public facilities and social events. And then there was also the Grand Apartheid, which dedicated housing and employment opportunities by race. So that is the system in which Nelson Mandela grew up in. He's a human rights activist in, again, South Africa. So he was jailed for protesting for civil rights. He was 27, oh, I'm sorry, he was in prison for 27 years. Uh, He was later than the first black president of South Africa from 94 to 99. And while he was able to finish out his prison sentence with, I don't want to say relative ease, but he was able to get through it, his marriage failed shortly after he got out of jail. Proving once again that jail is easier than marriage. <laughs> As a woman almost about divorced, I agree with you. <laughs> oh no. I'm so sorry. what we're talking about today kind of ties into this because the collective misremembering of common events or details first emerged in 2010. Because people are remembering that Nelson Mandela died in jail during the 80s, but he didn't because he died in 2013. So people to this day still remember seeing his funeral on TV. Yeah, that... There's like a, I have quite a list of these. I, I wish I could remember this happening, but in 2013, I was not focused on Nelson Mandela. So I don't remember him dying in the 80s because I was born in the 80s. I mean, uh, but, same. Yeah. So you know what the thing that really got me was the Berenstein Bears conundrum. Um. 
This one is the one that, like, did I ever tell you the story about when I thought I could use the force? No. <laughs> oh, apparently um, Lindsey Graham is now going off, and I wish I could watch this. <laughs> do you want me I'll to catch, pause? I'll catch the YouTube of it. Okay. Well, other video streaming sites are available. <laughs> when yes, I nice. had my first apartment, my very first apartment, the um, air conditioner was on and I had just started dating my husband and we were going to go somewhere. So I went to go turn it off. And before I could touch the off button, it turned off. And for five seconds of my, like my weird optimism, what if my brain is like, did I just turn this off with my mind? <laughs> yeah, literally. And then I turn around and I see my husband holding the, or my soon to be husband holding the remote. To nice. off. So this is kind of the same weird kind of gullibility that I had with the Berenstein bears. I, I know so many people that grew up with the Berenstein bears, but in reality, right. It's the Berenstain Bears. It's not a. See, I always just thought that was like a pronunciation thing. No, I distinctly remember the books with an E in it. If you asked me to blindly write down Berenstain, it would have E I N at the end of it. There was no stain in it. And when I first became familiar with Mandela Effect, I looked this shit up. And I even listened to the theme song from the little animated series and it's Berenstain Bears. And I'm like, how the fuck did I miss that? I had to go into my child's room and look at her books just to make sure I wasn't crazy. Yeah, I always just wrote that off as a pronunciation thing. But no, you're right. What about the Sinbad movie with the genie in it? I don't have any recollection of this movie. I remember it very clearly, and it was called Shazam. Not the not the Marvel movie on Disney, Shazam, with the kid that gets the powers. Like, it was a genie and two kids and blah, blah, blah. And then I saw all these online articles that said Sinbad was never a genie in a movie. And if you look it up, it's actually Kazam with Shaq in it. Interesting. And I, yeah. Mind blown. That was the other one that was really plausible to me. There's a couple more that I found that kind of were hit or miss, but I kind of want to go over it real quick. Um, yeah, there's a podcast. Do what you want. Great. Do you remember eating Jiffy peanut butter? Um, I remember the name. Yeah, you don't because it's Jiff peanut butter. A lot of people merge Jiff and Skippy as Jiffy peanut butter. But there's so, yeah, there's like so many people that will swear up and down that they had Jiffy peanut butter when they were a kid. All right. Do you know what the Monopoly guy looks like? Uh, yeah, he's got a top hat and I think a cane. Yeah. Uh, I thought he had a monocle. No, that's Mr. Peanut. Correct. But I remembered Monopoly as a monocle guy. Bender from Futurama also has a monocle when he finds out how rich Fry is. I think what Bender's your spirit animal. Bender is my spirit animal. <laughs> um, okay, I actually have two from Star Wars because we know how much I love Star Wars. 
All right. So there's a famous line, right? Everybody says it. Luke, I am your father. Yes. No. It no? is. No. In the movie, it is literally, I am your father. And then he goes, no. I think this is me. I remember that too. Luke, I am your father. Went back, watch the flick. It is, I am your father. I think what happened is if you just walked up to somebody and went, I am your father. Like it has no reference. So I think when Star Wars nerds were trying to reference that quote from the movie, they had to put a uh, qualifier on it that helped identify the movie. That's just my theory. Um. Right. So C-3PO, this one got me too. Uh, C-3PO in the original set of three films was what color? Uh, I want to say he was like, like goldish. No? Well, even the Halloween costumes from the period and toys have it all gold. But one of his legs is silver. I had to look that one up too. It, that freaked me out. Like when the fuck did he get a silver leg? Like I know he changes in the last set and has new parts. And in the original set, he's he's a certain way. And then when they went back in the early 2000s and did uh, episodes one through three, he was bare bones. So he didn't really have any plating on him. But the original C-3PO has a silver leg. All right, Looney Tunes. How do you spell tunes? I have no idea. Everybody thinks it's like cartoon, T-O-O-N-S, but it's actually Looney Tunes, like the music, T-U-N-E-S. Do you know what the famous line from Silence of the Lambs is? No, I've never seen it, actually. Oh, the big one is, hello, Clarice. Right, Hannibal Lecter standing in the cage, and he's looking at Starling and says the thing. And uh, turns out he never said the thing at all, which I don't understand because this one doesn't need a qualifier. All he said was, good morning. Interesting. Everybody remembers him saying, hello, Clarice. Even me, I have like vivid memories of saying clips of that does not exist. How about shoes? How do you spell Skechers? I've never committed that to memory. <laughs> Most people want to spell it like an artist sketch, but it's really sketchers with no T. Oh. I mind blown there. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm going to keep my list short here. Four is Gump. What's the famous line about chocolates? What is it life is like a box of chocolates or something like that? That's what it's been we so all many think years. It's been so many years since I've seen that movie. That's what most of us think it is. Life is like a box of chocolates, but he actually says life was like a box of chocolates. Yeah. Same thing with, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the evil queen in Cinderella. She says what to the mirror? Uh, it's been so many years. Well, I, they even named a movie, this mirror mirror on the wall, yeah. but she doesn't say that. She says magic mirror on the wall. And then the last one I kind of want to pull my, my mind to is because we're from Pittsburgh and Fred Rogers is from here. Do you know what his theme song was? Well, be damned, you're right. It is what was like a box of chocolate. Was like a box of chocolate, which is fucked yeah. up because everybody says is. We well, all damn. remember it as is. 
Anyway, you were saying about Fred Rogers? Yeah, that's the last one because he's from Pittsburgh that I want to address because you can keep going and going on the internet and finding these. But uh, this one got me too. Um, do you know what the theme song I sounds like? Um, like? I can hear the music playing, but I don't remember the words. It's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. A wonderful oh, yeah. day in the neighborhood. It's this neighbor. Oh. Yeah, everybody remembers it at as 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 the and fucking Fred Rogers sings this. I've never heard anybody sing the fucking theme song with this neighborhood ever. That one sits wrong with me too. So yeah, so we kind of need to break down why all of us or most of us remember things differently than what reality is. So we're going to be getting into your favorite person in the world. No. You and, you and him are besties. Not at all. Me and my therapist make fun of him all the time. 100% your bestie. No. Good old, good old Sigmund Fraud. I mean, no, I was right the first time. You can call him Sigmund Fraud through the entire thing. I'm completely fine with this. I was planning on it, actually. Good. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. So... The way he, one of the things he brought brought to the world was the assertion that childhood sexual trauma is invoked by unconscious mechanisms of forgetting and the emergence of false memories. So there's the issue of repression and recovered memories through hypnosis that that leads us to saying that you can't trust the unconscious. Steph, I really don't understand your notes that you wrote for me. You've got to do a little better than that. I had planned on reading them. Well, then if you have something else to add, please share with the class because even I'm a little confused about that. After our, you just shove some food in your mouth. So I'll keep talking while you chew. No, I got it. I got it. Sorry. Just to kill I time. paused to chew my pork rinds. So uh, what I was trying to say is that you get these false memories recovered through hypnosis. But in reality, you cannot trust your unconscious mind because it's inaccurate on the regular. Okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, like, there are examples of women and children who were genuinely victims of abuse, and they have manifested massive denial, and they have put in false memories to protect their conscious mind. So, if they were being physically or emotionally or the other kind of abuse, right, they'll remember that day spending it in the park, with that person instead of remembering the abuse so that they can function normally without being traumatized. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So as we have already stated here, we we do hate fraud quite a bit on this podcast. We we do not stand Sigmund fraud on this podcast. We we are anti, uh, anti Sigmund fraud. I will never do a whole episode on Sigmund Freud ever. I, I'm sorry, even if a house wins points and they want an episode on the fraud, I'm sorry, just right now, not going to happen. Mm-mm. I mean, 
I think it's well within our rights to just nix certain topics that we don't feel comfortable doing. I think we can, I think we can give ourselves that grace. I think this segment is like enough to cover why we don't like him. And that should be enough. We should need to know nothing else about Freud. Because now we're going to move into his wonderful Oedipus complex, which is, go ahead. Marry your mother, kill your father. We all do this, apparently. Or men do this. Yeah, unconsciously. Gotta love that toxic masculinity. (laughs) Yes. So this Oedipus conflict, and I'm saying so a lot, I gotta stop that. His Oedipus conflicts cause way more harm than good. He unearthed a memory in himself where he became attracted to his own mother when he remembered seeing her naked as a child, which is, you know, common, I guess, and not weird at all. Well, scientifically speaking, right, because I had to look into this because I have children, supposedly under the age of two, it's acceptable to be naked around both gender children. But if you, this is what the current parenting books say. If you are naked in front of your son as a female past two or a father of a daughter past two can cause some sort of psychological damage or some shit. So long story short, really small children, it doesn't give a shit. Because technically newborn babies need skin-to-skin contact. And that could be on a woman's chest or a man's chest. It doesn't matter as long as it's naked skin-to-skin. That's very important for a baby. Very important. So, again, I did it. God damn it. It's better than um. Don't um. Eh, You can go either way. (laughs) There's no proof that this actually happened for him. That he was sexually attracted to his mother or seeing her naked. So, again, God damn it. As we've already seen, what Freud actually wrote at that time was that he remembered a train journey. It was a long train journey. And sometime during that duration, he denounced that he may have had the opportunity of seeing his mother naked. And I've now read my wife upstairs for my talking. Sorry, hon. <laughs> he then speculated that he may have been sexually aroused at this entirely hypothetical site. And although he may have eventually come to experience this scene, he had ingeniously constructed as a memory, it would seem that it was almost a certainly a false memory. So now we move on to 1974, when Elizabeth Loftus and John Palmer conducted a study to investigate the effects of language on the development of false memories, especially in relation to eyewitness testimony. This experiment involved two separate studies where they used leading leading questions to distort accounts from witnesses. People were asked to estimate the speed of a motor vehicle using different forms of questioning. 
this is apparently something that people are generally poor at, although I seem to be pretty good at it. <laughs> You're good at estimating the speed of other cars? I am. We were watching live PD at the shop one day, and this car goes flying past this cop. And I'm like, man, he's moving at like a, a hundred, maybe a buck ten. Cop pulls the guy over. He was going to buck twelve. Damn it, Kev. Like I said, I pay, apparently I'm pretty fucking good at this. But you know, anyway. No, I got into a car accident and I was pulling out of Smoker Friendly when I worked in Cranberry on 19. And I was pulling out and it's supposed to be 35 through that area. So I saw a car down by the Elks and I was like, okay, I have plenty of time to pull out. So I pull out and this guy hits my tail end. And it turns out that the police officer who screamed at me afterwards said he was allowed to hit me at 55 miles per hour. So he was speeding an extra 20 miles per hour through that intersection where I was pulling out of. And I could not gauge his speed because I assumed he was going the appropriate speed limit, maybe 40 miles per hour. Hit me at 55. Well, that was a fun day, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, I had a concussion. It was great. It's not the way you like to take it up the back. No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. And I do love the butt stuff. Because people are so poor at estimating speeds, you're fairly open to suggestions when it comes to trying to determine how fast something is going. Loftus' findings seem to indicate that memory for an event that may have been witnessed is highly flexible. If someone is exposed to information during the interval between witnessing the event and recalling it, it's more likely that the new information will have a greater effect on what they recall, and the original memory can be modified, changed, or even supplemented. Yeah, so what they did was is they had people, at least in one of the two studies, they were watching a monitor of two cars. And one car passed the other car. So let's say car A is the car that was going in the normal lane and car B was in the passing lane. Now they could ask you, like, how fast do you think the car was going to pass car A? Or they could ask you, how fast do you think car B was speeding? And when you put it in those terms, the people were more likely to say that, uh, like, in uh, the first scenario, oh, the car passed, car B passed car A at five extra miles per hour. As soon as you say speeding, they will say that car was going 60 miles an hour over the speed limit to pass car A. You can manipulate their interpretation of how fast car B had to go to pass car A. If that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. These false memories and these leading questions and all this kind of stuff have a big impact on society, particularly in legal matters. False memories can have significant consequences when you go to court and 
are asked questions under oath. So you're you're not actually lying. You're not perjuring yourself. It's just that you're misremembering what you saw, which can lead to, of course, false convictions with people that take sometimes decades to overturn. Interference is a very powerful force in which you can create new false memories with someone else's prompting or by the questions that they ask. An example of this would be someone robbed a bank and you were there. And the person asking you questions might say, so the bank robber was wearing a red mask. You're like, no, oh yeah, yeah, he was wearing a red mask. No, wait a minute, no, he was actually wearing a black mask. Turns out the guy wasn't wearing a mask at all. So just by saying those things, you're creating a memory that didn't happen. Right. And that's what things like the uh, Innocence Project is trying to fight. Because What am I glad you're here to drag me kicking and screaming through this? Because <laughs> my brain is not. Well, I wrote the show notes, so it's okay. Um. I, I, I had originally intended on putting that in there and I didn't. The false, false, uh, or the uh, Innocence Project is designed to help people get off of death row who have been wrongly convicted through eyewitness testimony. I think my wife actually sent in an application to work for them. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You said she works with um, people who are in prison now? Yes. Yeah. So. Um, this, so, so me just going through those things, oh, you remember, you remember, you remember it this way. Like it's very leading. All right. Um, but there are people who legitimately remember things that way. Um, what, uh, um, 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 there's also, so there is this phenomenon of the Mandela effect. It exists. It's real. I've seen it. I've experienced it. What what gets me is, is there's some people that complain that the distortions that cause the Mandela effect are actually the results of spiritual attacks linked to Satan, black magic or witchcraft. Okay. Appealing, right? It's really easy to blame the devil did it, but they're not scientifically testable at all. So we have to kind of go back to psychology a little bit before we get into like some of the weirdest conspiracy theories on the Mandela effect. Psychologists kind of describe the disconnect between our memories and reality as confabulation. The so term, what? We have breaking news. Sorry to interrupt you, but we have breaking news. Please do. Uh, one of the representatives, uh, Ms. Omar, is currently drawing up articles of impeachment against Donald Trump. So that's fun. Just when we thought 20, just, I guess 2020 is just hanging on just that little bit longer <laughs> to really give us the full effect since it didn't actually kick into about March. I think it's going to try to get like another three months. Fair. I thought like the, they did pass impeachment in one of the levels, but it didn't go to the other level. He, he has been impeached once. He was not removed from office. Because you need... Uh, a double impeachment to do that? Or most sane people step down with the first impeachment? 
the Republican-controlled Senate did not vote to remove it. He was imp- I'm sorry, he was impeached in the House. He was not impeached in the Senate, which is what you need to be. Well, I mean, Clinton was impeached also. He wasn't removed from office. The What it takes to be removed from office, I don't actually know. I'd have to look it up. Hmm. Which I'm actually going to do while you're talking. Although That's I have fair. another section. I have another section coming up soon, so I should probably do it. I can take off part of that if you're, you're no, no, I'll do, I'll do it afterwards. I have some time. This is our new improved podcast for 2021. If you have a, if you have a guest. Yes, we had a meeting and we decided that we're both going to switch off talking during the podcast. So if you like this, let us know if you don't like it too fucking bad. We like it better. Yeah, but I had to write the whole thing. So Kevin can't read my notes. Well, you had already written it is the problem. We decided this very late. And then we decided to re-record it, and then you had to—you you kind of had to make it work on the fly. So hopefully, the next one will be better. Yeah, the next one's definitely going to be better. Okay, confabulation, disturbance of the memory, which can result in the production of fabricated or misinterpreted memories, even despite contradictory evidence. It may not even be intentionally happening. And sometimes this is actually linked to brain damage in some people. So there, there's some this other. Where I talk. Yeah, there's some other explanations. So this is what I get from reading ahead. <laughs> we have now presumptions and the misinformation effect. A presumption is the implication through chosen language. An example, if a person was asked what shade of blue was the wallet. The person being questioned would then say to themselves, the wallet was blue. Okay, what shade is it? The question's phrasing provides the respondent with a supposed fact, thus the wallet being blue. So then you start thinking, well, okay, the wallet's blue, was the wallet blue? It must have been blue. They told me it was blue. Mm-hmm. Why would they lie to me? So that question, what color blue was the wallet, transplants the memory of what color the wallet actually was. So that has two separate effects. Yes. Didn't I cover both of those? No, there's true effect. And then false effect. Oh, I thought I rolled those in one. Anyways, the, you have the to break of- them down because some people are dumb like me, and I need to know like this is result A and this is result B because both are plausible. I'm really sorry for the shit show that is this episode, but my Twitter feed is still popping. So I'm just <laughs> getting notification after notification about shit that's happening, and I keep getting fucking distracted. Mm-hmm. So I apologize, but. I'm trying my best. We just had a coup in the United States. you got to give me this one. Here, I got it. True effect. The wall is blue, and that assists in memory recall. The false effect is not true and swings the memory such that the wallet was actually black or brown. But now you're thinking the wallet has to be blue because this guy told me the wallet was blue. Mm-hmm. So regardless of this effect, the respondent believes... The, whatever answer they give is the true answer. Yeah, they pass a lie detector with that. Lie detector's not admissible in court, by the way. 
Yep. But um, a lot of people don't know that. What you watch enough uh, crime shows, you know, it's not, but they originally proposed that it was anyway, whiskey, whiskey's a thing. Yes, it is. So I went through all this effort of trying to set this up because I saw brain games. It's a TV show. And there was an episode on the power of persuasion. And what blew my mind is they were sitting there with somebody interviewing them about a hot air balloon ride that they had taken when they were kids. And they were like, oh, what color was the air balloon? How far did you go up? You know, who was on the air balloon with you? And the people started filling in and telling the story like it had actually happened. And then in reality, their parents were there like, yeah, that never fucking happened. Just by the person asking them questions because they said, oh, your mom said you were on an air balloon ride. How did that go? That was enough for them to try to fill in the gaps and tell this fantastic story in vivid detail that literally never happened. I I wanted to highlight like how the brain kind of can fill in the gaps from this wordless study from 1963. Uh, Ansville and Knapp originally did the study, but in 1998, Kathleen McDermott and Henry Rodiger III repeated it. So what they had done is they had triggered false memories by presenting a subject uh, subjects, a list of continuous words when they were presented. So they were given list a had to read list a, then they were given a second list and they asked if the words on the list were the same or different as the previous list. What sucks is, is they used words that were semantically related to each other. So if you had the word sleep on the first list, the second list would have bed on it. And this was more likely to create a situation where the subjects did not remember the first list correctly and agreed that uh, their memory, like Stephanie. So this creates false memories. So they they think that list A matches list B because the words correlate to each other. It could be like, you know, food and groceries. Oh, okay. Yeah. Groceries is on the first list. And but reality, it said food. That's basically what was going on. My memory is just so bad that I wouldn't know either way. Like the video, photographic one of the memory. Video, like one of the video games I'm playing now, There's a, you have to hit, it pops up a random series of buttons you have to hit. And I always fuck it up because I can't remember what the series of buttons is I have to press. Is it truly random or is it literally the same in the same situation every time? Like if you had to go back and retry it. You can't go back and retry it, but there's, it's like three different steps you have to go through. So it's like triangle, triangle, circle, that it's triangle, triangle, circle, L, X, and it's triangle, triangle, circle, L, X, triangle again. Like everyone, like they keep adding on to it. And I keep forgetting even the first part as soon as I hit the first button. Like idiot. you suck at Simon. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> My brain just gets confused and locks up and I just sit there. You know, you literally get dumber as you get older. I believe it. Mm. Just look at, you should just look at our government. Kev. I'm on a tear today. We are now moving into what's called staged naturalistic events. It's building on the previous study, by the way. 
Yes, it is. Brewer and oh my god, what the fuck is this? Trinese? Trinus? Sure. I'm trying to pronounce this, but I ain't doing very well. I don't uh, see what I did there. Uh, uh, this study was in 1981. And in this study, subjects were invited into an office and told to wait there. After they left the office, they had to recall the inventory of a visited office and subjects recognized objects consistent with an office scheme, although they did not actually appear in that office. So they, they created an expectation of what should have been in that office. So whether they remembered of being in, in there or not, yes. that's, they said it was in there. Yes. There's, there's like one more experiment that kind of describes this before we get into like the meat of the real conspiracy. You know, it's weird. I normally put the science after the conspiracy, but we're doing it the other way this time. Yeah, we're taking it a long way around this time. Yeah, I just really want to like... It's like trying to drive anywhere in Pittsburgh. Yes. Can't get there from here. (laughs) It's 14 miles as the crow flies. It's going to take you three and a half hours to get there. Mm -hmm. I just... I'm really trying to hammer home the way that the mind works. Like, you should really watch the game... The, the the brain games persuasion episode. I think it's like season two, episode five, because it without all these studies, it explains it and it kind of forces you to reassess how you participate in being mindful in the present, basically. So I want to look at rational processing as like the last thing. Uh, it's called the Reese Rodiger McDermott paradigm or the DRM. So Memory retrieval is associated with the brain's rational processing. So there's two ways that this goes about. Events are verbatim or gist representations. So there's two. Photographic memories tend to be verbatim. So we're going to use cats as an example. Sorry, Kevin. Hey, you leave my cats out of this. Uh, no. So scenario one, a, K, a cat scratched me when I was seven. Therefore, I do not like cats. That is verbatim. I am in the gist representation where I just decided I don't like cats because they are possessed by the devil. Right? So it's it's a gist. I just don't know like uh, why I don't like cats. So I have supplemented with the gist. So fuzzy trace theory suggests that memories are commonly stored as gists so you can get both true and false recollections sometimes they're verbatim but most of the time they're gists just cut my cigar into a big ass stem so i'll get back to that later we're now going to move into what you guys are all actually here for is our conspiracy theories because we love us a good conspiracy yeah we kind of hit a pocket of conspiracy theories at the moment we sure did but hey, we're here for it. We love a good conspiracy. Next episode is going to be true crime, guys. I promise. House okay. Veritas, I'm coming for you. Time travel and paranormal and parallel universes is what we're digging into now. Memory errors can be explained. Or, I'm sorry. Let me start that all over again because I fucked that whole thing up. The memory errors experienced by the general populace in the Mandela effect 
are proof that our timeline is altered by time travel. But there are some of us who don't absorb the changes in the timeline and remember it before it was changed. There's actually a really good episode of Star Trek The Next Generation about this. Where I'm, I was planning on it. I get rescued while you tell about it. So there's a... In the show, there's a doctor, Beverly Crusher, and her son, Wesley, who are both serving aboard the Starship Enterprise. Wesley is doing an experiment with work bubbles and creates one with, with his mother nearby, but she gets sucked into the alternate reality of the work bubble where all of the people she knows from the ship are slowly disappearing. So at first it was a friend of hers who was a doctor, and then it was other officers, crew, and her son. And finally, it's just her and Captain Picard on the ship, and Captain Picard in the alternate reality sees nothing wrong with the fact that it's just him and her on the ship that's supposed to have you know tens of thousands of people on it. But he doesn't remember everybody else who got sucked away. That's kind of what we're talking about in this thing that we're discussing now, which is where the time stream is distorted. Time travel is the concept of movement between certain points in time. It's analogous to movement between different points in space by an object or a person, typically with the use of a hypothetical device known as a time machine. My favorite time machine is the TARDIS. Nice blue police box, travels through time and space, relative dimensions. I can't that. even enjoy Doctor Who. Panda ruined it for me. Ah. Time travel is a widely recognized concept in philosophy and fiction, particularly in science fiction. And the idea of the time machine was popular, popularized by H.G. Wells. In the nineteen, oh, no, I'm sorry, the 1895 novel, The Time Machine. Have you ever seen the movie or read the book? I have not. Oh, there's a great movie from like the early 2000s, and the guy builds the time machine. It's literally based off the Wells novel, and the guy builds the time machine to go back and save his girlfriend. And over and over and over again, she keeps dying and he realizes he can't change the past because then he would have never built the time machine. So then he goes in the future, bumps his head and keeps the time keeps going forward and forward and forward. So he winds up in this, like the downfall of all humans and then new species emerging afterwards and they're warring with each other and he gets lost in that new future. That's really tens of thousands of years in the future. It's fucking fantastic. Read it, people. Read it. It's good for you. So now we're going to move on to wormholes. Wormholes are hypothetical, and it's a warped space-time permitted by the Einstein field of equations of general relativity. Now we're getting into some heavy shit. Oh, yeah. The whole rest of this is heavy shit. I have to put on my back brace for this one. <laughs> a proposed time travel machine using a transversible wormhole would hypothetically work in the following way. One of the worm one end of the wormhole is accelerated to some significant fraction of the speed of light, 
perhaps with some advanced propulsion system, and then brought back to the point of origin. Alternatively, another way is to take one entrance of the wormhole and move it to within the gra- move it to within the gravitational field of an object that has a higher gravity than the other entrance, and then return it to the position near the other entrance. With both of these methods, time dilation causes the end of the wormhole to move to have aged less, therefore you become or become younger than the stationary end as seen by the external observer. However, time connects definitely through the wormhole on the outside. It... Jesus Christ, this is a fucking lot. You would run on sentences. What is it you would run on sentences? Use punctuation. Look, you like Wikipedia, and I pulled this section. You can tell by the quotations with the 21 and shit directly off of Wikipedia, which is what you're amazing at reading. Yes, but I also use punctuation. I just copied and pasted from Wikipedia for you because you're really good at weeding off Wikipedia. We're definitely going to have to work on this flow for the next. I gave it to you ahead of time to fix punctuation so that you could speak naturally. There's a goddamn coup going on. You're lucky I looked at it at all. I'm not the one who chose to record in the middle of a coup. That was you. You get what you get. <laughs> this is still better than the first one. Oi. So, as I was saying, time connects differently through the wormhole than on the outside of it. So, synchronized clocks at either end of the wormhole will always remain synchronized as seen by the observer passing through the wormhole, no matter the difference in time between the two ends. So, no matter how fast one end is going compared to the other, it will always appear the same to the person who went through it. Yeah, so if you were in the time machine traveling through the wormhole and you had a little timer on your dashboard, it would remain constant for you. But for the outside observer, different amounts of time will have passed. Yes. One significant limitation of these kinds of time machines is that it's only possible to go as far back in time as the initial creation of the machine. Which they theorized in 1865. Wow, Still plausible. Yeah, yeah. In essence, this is more of a path through time than it is a device that itself moves through time. And it would not allow the technology itself to be moved backward in time. So now we're getting into some even more stuff. But you have something to say. Well, no, because like this is this is based on equations of time and space and matter from not only the theories of H.G. Wells, but Einstein himself in the theories of relativity. So we all know that conspiracy theorists aren't based in actual science. So this is the actual science of time travel. But when we look at these time travel conspiracies, like the these the, the what, what these people think are actual evidence of time travel, it doesn't apply to what the science is saying. So that's why I put the science first to put in perspective these examples of supposed time travelers. Put them into reference. We have a whole list here of, of popular ones. But we're I got it down right. to three. I was like, we're already running kind of long, so I'm just going to chop it. 
I'm only going to do a couple. There's literally three. That's it. So. I know. We're, we're already at like 41 minutes. All right. Condense. Do do your thing. I don't. I just don't want somebody to hate me. Mm. You had 10 minutes of current events. So technically we're not in 50 minutes in. We're 40 minutes in. So you're good. We just can't go over an hour and a half and she'll kill me. Oh, okay. Well, we got, we got yeah. I shoot for an hour. But if we hit an hour and a half, then you're not mad. Right, Sal Maiden? Still reasonable. The first example we have listed here of an example, and I use that word in quotes, of time travelers is uh, one that appeared in a Charlie Chaplin movie. This cut this stems from October in 2010. Northern Irish filmmaker George Clark uploaded uploaded a video clip entitled Chaplin's Time Travel to YouTube. The clip analyzes the bonus material in the DVD of a Charlie Chaplin film, The Circus. Included in the DVD is footage from the film's L.A. premiere at the Chinese Theater in 1928. At one point, a woman is seen walking by holding an object up to her ear. Clark said that on closer inspection, she was talking on a thin black device that appeared to be a phone. Clark concluded that the woman was possibly a time traveler. The clip has received millions of views and is even subject to televised news stories. You so, know how shitty the news is? Just, I know you know, but... Must have been a really slow news day. Do you know what Good, good Mythical Morning is? No. It's one of my favorite YouTube shows. And they create funny commercials for things that aren't real. And a local news station picked up on one of their very first commercials and at, uh, and put it on the news like it was real. And they're like, what kind of business would do this? So they'll n- not every news story is 100% accurate. Do you remember the hostage situation downtown Pittsburgh? They're going to have to be way more specific. Um, it was about six or seven years ago. And there was a guy with a duffel bag who went into one of the office buildings in Pittsburgh. Was it Western Sun? I can't remember, but the news was saying like he had a bomb. I remember the one, I remember the hostage situation at Western Psych. I don't remember the details of it, but I remember it happening. Okay. So I don't know how accurate my memory is, but I remember this being downtown and I was on the other side of downtown. So I was watching the news happening. And at the time I was on, the fam- you remember the family I used to stay with? Their, the main dad person was a volunteer firefighter and worked on the hazmat team. I had gotten a cell phone through their family plan. So I had all the emergency, uh, emergency responders text messages through the entire hostage situation that was going on downtown. And what they were texting to each other on these service alerts was different than what the news was saying. The news was like, he's got a bomb and he's taking hostages. The text messages I was getting from the first responders was saying, uh, subject has entered office building and is holding a red duffel bag asking for such and such. And it never, they said bomb undetermined. So the news was reporting something as fact, something that the first responders didn't even know is true. At that point, that is when I stopped watching the news. 
I have two related things, then we can move on with what this bullshit actually was. Allegedly. A friend of mine used to work for DHS Counterterrorism, and he would get all of the Amber Alerts for the entire country. Oh, no. of, yeah. So did I don't think he ever stopped going off? No, it actually didn't. But that was he's just like, I can't take this anymore. He's like, this is too much bullshit. The second thing I have along that line is a guy who comes into the shop who I actually went to Vegas with is like hardcore into conspiracy theories. He used to work for the Navy. He used to be in the Navy. Mm-hmm. So he get all the top secret memos of the shit that's actually happening. And then he'd watch the news and go, that's not the shit that's actually happening. So he's hardcore into conspiracy theories. There's a YouTube he's video. No, there's a YouTube video. I have to see if I can find it. But I think it's from that guy that wears th- or that group that wears the uh, Guy Forks masks. Yeah. About how the news is owned by one giant corporation and it controls what goes on the news. And it showed all these overlapping local news stations saying the same report about not. I think it's actually three companies on all most of the news stations, but yeah. Yeah. It was creepy that every single news station that was shown in that video was saying the exact same thing about not. I know Rupert Murdoch owns a fuck ton of news outlets. Yeah. And most of them have to just regurgitate whatever comes down the pipe from the offices of that. So back to our favorite, back to our our friend Time Traveler here in Charlie Chaplin's movie. That was falsely advertised on TV. A lot of people are saying that it's probably some form of hearing aid, like a trumpet or something, and not actually. My favorite is the hipster on the 1941 bridge opening. This photo actually caused me to look into time travel initially, just like the Berenstain Bears caused me to look in the Mandala effect. So there's like a peek into Steffi's brain, if you will. But there's a photograph from 1941 of a genuine, uh, it's genuine. Okay. It's been a thought to, to, I've been drinking the whiskey authenticated and it's a photograph of the reopening of the South Fork Bridge in Gold Bridge, British Columbia. Supposedly there's this motherfucker who's a time traveler and people said that he's a time traveler because he's wearing a certain style that was not available in the forties. Okay. So the guy is like wearing this like steampunk kind of like goggle sunglasses um, but they, hold on, I'm going to describe what he was wearing and then why it's wrong. So he's got these really futuristic sunglasses. He's wearing a fucking printed t-shirt. Okay. And then he's like fucking wearing a hoodie. All right. So they're like, oh, this motherfucker's wearing a hoodie at the bridge opening. In reality, the style of sunglasses, however, used in like futuristic kind of things were actually first appeared in the 1920s. His t-shirt shit actually appears to be a sweater with a sewn on emblem. And that kind of clothing was worn in the period by fans of specific sports teams. It's also very similar to the ones used by the Montreal Maroons, which was an ice hockey team from that era, 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 era. The remainder of his clothing would have been available at the time. 
though it was far more casual than those around him at the time of the photograph. But, you know, there's a debate that this this image genuinely shows a time traveler. And they think, like, people fucking photoshopped this shit or it was mistaken as antichronistic. The time traveling his tipster, air quote, became a case study in viral internet phenomenon in museums. Uh, presented in the Museum and the Web 2011 conference in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. That's how this I mean this thing's fucking everywhere. Go look it up if I don't tweet it out first because I keep forgetting to tweet pictures from the podcast that are relevant because I'm an asshole. Oh yeah, I forgot to do that too. Sorry, we still guys. got we got time. Then this episode hasn't come out, so we can still tweet pictures. I meant for the last one. We were supposed to tweet pictures of the mirrors. You can still do it now because yes, people haven't got this episode yet, so it's still relevant for a couple more days. Have, after this, I need to get the password for the Twitter account for you so I can do it from my computer and schedule it and Sweet. Do you, I mean, do you want to talk about John Tritter or do you just kind of want to go into what technology could have alleged the time travel? No, I'm going to jump ahead. Good. Okay. So you, you do your thing. We're now moving on to alleged time traveling technology. First, we have. Oh my, I... Es ist uh, Deutsche. I don't speak German. <laughs> es Russian Ambition. So I apologize to anybody who actually speaks. It's uh, Die Glocke? Die Glocke? Something like that. Go with that. Sure, we'll go with that. This thing is, is reportedly a Nazi time machine that was allegedly part of a flying saucer. Which would be part of the subterranean. Uh, do you remember like. Uh, it's not aliens. But it's alien episode. And they were Germans supposedly were privy to. Alien technology during World War One and World War II. It's definitely aliens. Yeah it's from that. So technically in one of those subterranean. Ice. Research labs. One of these. Dekulka would have been sat sitting there. So the second one we have is out of Iran. Our good friends in Iran. Oh yeah. This is from April 2013. An Iranian news agency, Fars, carried a story claiming that a 27-year-old Iranian scientist had invented a time machine that allowed people to see into the future. Uh, a few days later, the story was removed, and it was a story quoting the Iranian government that no such device had been registered. So was it a leak? Or was it... Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah. Cover-up by the Iranian government, 100%. Up next, we have the Philadelphia Experiment and the Montauk Project. That's how I was going to say it, so commit. Yeah. The Philadelphia Experiment is a name given to a naval military experiment which was supposedly carried out at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard sometime around 28 October 1943. It's alleged that the USS Navy destroyer escort USS Elbridge was to be rendered invisible or cloaked to enemy devices. Uh, this experiment 
is also referred to as Project Rainbow. Some reports allege that the warship traveled back in time for about 10 seconds. However, popular culture has represented far bigger jumps. The story is widely regarded as a hoax, and the Navy maintains that no, no such experiment occurred, and the details of the story uh, contradict well-established facts about the outage, as well as, you know, the loss of physics. So I kind of I kind of set those up as as two purposes. So somebody could have traveled back in time, fucked up our timeline, and now we have the Mandela effect. Or you could have an existing parallel universe that is merging into ours. Okay. Or a parallel universe that is created by the time travelers from traveling back in time. So it's either or or both. The differences for conspiracy theorists arrive from the moment between parallel realities. Okay, the multiverse is based on a theory that within each universe, alternative versions of events and objects exist. So we're back to my favorite quantum mechanics. Um, We talked about this with um, past lives and shit. Um, Quantum mechanics is highly theoretical based on math and it undoes all other science. So it's really fucking hard to understand. And the people who study quantum mechanics don't even entirely know what it's about. So me trying to write this down to make sense for parallel universe theory, I apologize now. Okay. But the quantum mechanics, not only does it allow for past lives, but it allows for parallel universe theory. And it's using real science called Many Worlds Interpretation, which was popularized by Hewitt Everett in 1957. And it's based on the framework of subatomic physics. So the world unfolds through a combination of two separate ingredients. One is a smooth wave function where mathematical expression can convey information about that particle in its form of numerous possibilities for its location and its characteristics. Hang in there with me. The second is something that realizes one possibility and eliminates the others, which simply happens by observing or trying to measure it. Okay. So mathematically speaking, okay, everything in the universe on the subatomic level occurs in A or B. Okay, and to test this physically, they use something called the double slit method. And I have a hard time because every time I was listening to lectures on this, the slit just kept making me think of vagina, and it's nothing to do with the vagina. So everything they, has to do with the vagina. Maybe because I have one, but normally it's butt stuff for me. This time, this was like a vagina reference, and every time they said slit, it drove me crazy. Was it a moist slit? I hope it was. Because that's the only way a shit, a shit, a slit should be is moist. Okay. If, if it's not moist, you're not doing it right. Uh, and we digress. So the scientists fire electrons at a wall that has two slits in it. And they see where these electrons land if they make it through the slits. Okay. So it's like taking tennis balls and throwing them at two holes in the wall and it could hit all over the place, but eventually one's going to go through one of the holes. Okay. And they expect when these electrons go through the slits that they're going to act like what of the two things that I listed. Okay. 
but that's not the case. Okay. Some could it like somehow when they are firing these electrons through the slits, each there's the appearance that electron somehow splits, passes through both slits at once, interferes with itself, and then recombines to meet the second screen beyond the slits as a single localized particle. If you can imagine that somehow. So you have electrons, one electron splits, which somehow cannot go through and lands. Okay. And what sucks is, is when you're looking at the results on the screen past the slits, there is no perfect way to measure the particle's location. So in quantum mechanics, okay, the particle can either be both places or in one of the places. Okay. So then the wave function, which is either A or B, can be extrapolated through the entire universe, okay? And what fucking sucks is the actual particle is a construct that exists only in math, that we cannot physically measure the particle's location. So there's no way to have conclusive measurement from this test. And it suggests what we call particles, such as electrons, somehow combine the characteristics of particles and of waves. The most famous wave-particle duality in quantum mechanics, as I best could explain it. It also suggests that the act of observing and measuring a quantum system has a profound effect on the system. There's actually a joke from Futurama about this where they were, uh, the professor was sitting there and they were taking bets on the results of a quantum. It was a horse race. Yeah, yeah. And then he says, um, that's not fair because you actually measured the results. So you changed the outcome. I can't remember the exact quote, but they used it in the science lecture. <laughs> um, so there's a problem of how, what happens constitutes the measurement problem of the quantum mechanics. So they're saying that this thing can be in both places or in one, and both are true, which is why parallel exists universes can be in both places or in one place. So what, what is really rough here, and I'm trying to really go esoteric here, is the only reason that a multiverse could be plausible, and this test explains why it could be plausible, is that this is the best math that we can do. So the only way we would know for sure if there actually are parallel universes causing the Mandela effect is that if we could do 100% accurate calculations and there is physically no way to do this, none. And I listened to quantum mechanic professors explain that this was literally fucking impossible. So in conclusion, if you will, I think that the Mandela effect is subjectable to group think. Do you have any thoughts on group think, Kev? I mean, it makes sense that just look at all the stuff that people misremember. What we talked about earlier, the Jiffy, and the, we mm-hmm. didn't talk about Smokey the Bear, which is actually Smokey Bear, and all that kind of stuff. That makes a lot of sense. You know, I want to, I believe in past lives. So I want to believe in parallel universes. Okay. And the math is saying possible. 
I want to believe these things, but I don't think that the Mandela. Like the X-Files, you want to believe. I do, but I don't think the Mandela effect. I originally thought, I was watching this shit. My mind was blown. I was like, oh, there's definitely time travelers and shit. I believe more in past lives than I do in time travel, but I definitely believe in aliens. So my, my position is very kind of sketchy, but I really think that the like, I didn't have anybody sitting with me when I looked up the Berenstein bears. And I really am shocked that I remember it incorrectly. Is this persuasion? Is this a glitch in the matrix? I don't know. I don't know, but I really want it to be explainable by science and it doesn't exist. But there's a small part of me in the back of my brain's like, maybe. Like everything we talk about here, it, maybe it's probably the best we can get at. Like, maybe. maybe. So I think the entire episode is a weird but true. But do you have a weird but true for us? I can't remember what the original one was. So I don't know. If I can't either. I've already deleted it. <laughs> so it's a new weird but true yin's on the patreon will get the original one. Oh, uh weird but true coups in the united states you're gonna go with that that that's that's one for today okay since you're really good at picking numbers for the non-offensive dare why don't we do that Okay, my darling witches, it's time for your weekly non-offensive dare. You must be a Patreon to participate so you can earn points for your house. Each month, the house with the most points gets to vote on weekly non-offensive dares, topics of future episodes, and so much more. Each week, once you've gotten your dare, you must safely and creatively complete a post on social media so that we can see that you've done the task. You can tag us at Twitter at Macabre Academy, or you can tag us on Instagram at The Macabre Academy, and you must include a hashtag with your house name to obtain the points. The world is a fucked up place. These dares are designed to bring silliness and random acts of kindness into the world. You must safely complete your dare. If you are unsafe, your points will not be counted. You can also earn additional points for your house by being the first to submit episode corrections to us at themacabacademy at gmail.com. Also, if we use your ideas or stories in a future episode, more points may be awarded. Let's return to the podcast to see what your weekly non-offensive dare will be. 47. Oh, this is the first time you failed me. Was it from the first episode that we did? I think so. Is it the shopping cart one? Yes. Then we're going to do it again. Return your shopping cart? No. What we said was... Because the original one was returned somebody else's, but we're not doing that because of COVID. Yeah. Six feet, people. Keep your distance. So what we're going to do is find an orphan shopping cart and return it to the store. What was the one from the uh, Denver airport then? I do not remember, but that was like 87. Or it was in the 80s. I think you're right. My notes are starting to get shittier and shittier the more we do this podcast. All, All right. right. So we hit well, like an hour and 15. So I feel like that's a solid episode. That's a good episode. 
it's a good episode. All right. So Kevin, since you are on the Twitter, is there anything you want to conclude the episode with? Because I, my, my episode stopped at groupthink. No, I think we covered everything we needed to hit and this was already a pretty long one. So. Okay. So before we hit, we sign off last reminder, we're going to watch the bleach documentary on February the 15th. So you got time to upgrade your Patreon to have a, uh, watch party with us and if you are already part of the patreon you can accumulate house points so we can you your house can pick the next watch party show or documentary or movie or whatever the fuck you want to watch all right that being said let's get the fuck out of here we're done uh it looks like we are we're so done all right all have right a great See week. make bad decisions <laughs> This podcast was brought to you by Nerdy Witch in partnership with Sound Maiden. We want to thank all of our wonderful Patreons. For updates, please follow the Macabre Academy on Facebook. Remember to like, share, and listen exclusively on Buzzsprout. Soon, we'll be available wherever you listen to podcasts.